And uh, today, we are actually diving into, uh, we're going to look at a modern take on a, on a very much a classic. It's a Christmas carol. Uh, and we're going to look today specifically, kind of the clips we'll look at is, is Disney's uh, rendition uh, with the computer generated, if you've seen that with Jim Carrey. Uh, but while I love the, the movie A Christmas Carol, because if you look at the life of Ebenezer Scrooge, um, in fact, in the movie, it shows how he, when he was a child, he was, he was left at boarding school um, kind of several years by his parents and never picked up. Uh, he, was, he was neglected by his family at a young age. Uh, it shows in the movie he was neglected by friends. And what happened over the course of his life was this bitterness uh, built up on the inside of his heart. Uh, this built bitterness then kind of through self-protection, he became very self-centered, very greedy, very self-focused. And even as watching the movie again, um, honestly, I, I empathize somewhat with Ebenezer uh, because, you know, how many know that sometimes when you go through life and maybe you've experienced this, maybe even this year, uh, that sometimes you can experience disappointments. And, and, and frustrations. And maybe this year that you've been there. Maybe you've had some disappointments. Maybe as you, you turn towards the end of the year, you kind of look at the end of the year and maybe there are some things that didn't work out the way you thought they would. Maybe some things that you thought would be different this time this year uh, are not different. Uh, maybe you thought some things would go better at work than they did. Maybe you thought you'd, you'd be at a different place relationally than you currently are. And this year, sometimes we can be faced with some disappointments. And sometimes those disappointments, if we're not careful, uh, can, can become bitterness in our hearts. Uh, of course, you know the famous phrase from Ebenezer Scrooge, well, bah humbug. And maybe you've had a few bah humbug moments this year. In fact, if you're human and you have breath in your lungs, you probably had a few moments in your life where you felt like a little bit of bah humbug. And uh, what I love is in the movie is we see a transformation of Scrooge to where it goes from bah humbug to where he ends the movie telling people Merry Christmas. And uh, we're going to look at is how can we experience this joy we see in Ebenezer's life at the end of the movie is how can we experience that joy in our own life? You know, the Bible says this, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That Jesus said he came to give us life and life to the full. In this movie, I think there are some re redemptive truths, as well as we're going to look at a story of scripture uh, to pull out some truths as well. We can apply to our own life, how we can experience this abundant life Jesus promised us. So we're going to look in the scriptures at a passage that many of you are probably familiar with. It's the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. But before we dive in, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Uh, we pray today as we open it up, Father. We know that you are going to speak to us. Lord, so we posture our hearts, our minds, our spirits to receive from you. It is in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Let's read some scripture first. Uh, Luke 15, if you have your Bibles, um, to give some context um, uh, of this passage. In Luke 15, Jesus shares three parables. And he really communicates to the, to the, the religious in the, in the room at that moment of his heart for people who are far from God. Uh, of his heart for, as he calls, lost individuals. Aren't you grateful that we have a Jesus who is concerned about people far from him? Amen. Uh, I should have got a better response than I got there. Come on, somebody. At one point, you were lost. Come on. The Bible says you were dead in your sin, but you've been made alive in Christ. If you're grateful for Jesus, can you say amen? Amen. 
All right, just want to make, just want to remind ourselves or what we're here for. Uh, that, that this is not a self-help process. Uh, this is that you were dead in your sin uh, and you've been made alive in Christ. And uh, Jesus is, uh, can I tell you, even as we, we, we come close this time of year to this Christmas Sunday, there's a, there's a few times a year I'm gonna press on you to bring someone to church. And this is one of them. So I'm gonna unapologetically ask you to ask someone to come with you on December 18th and or December 24th. Here's why. Because Jesus is concerned about people who are far from him. And we as his followers should be concerned as well. Can I get an amen? Listen, life is hard. But life is really hard. We don't have the hope of Christ. Life is hard with Christ. Man, but life is really hard. We don't have a hope beyond this world. And we do as followers. And it's upon us. That's why he gave us the great commission to let others know about the good news of Jesus Christ. So Luke 15, I'm going to kind of speak from a different angle of this. So um, I wanted to give the context of this passage to really what the heart of, of this passage. But, but there are multiple applications we can take from this passage. And I'm going to um, really draw out a few applications from this scripture. Let's read first. So Luke 15, verse 11 says this. Uh, Jesus continued. He says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of my estate. So he divided his property between them. That's the older son, the younger son. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a famine in the whole country. He began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that his pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food enough to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against, sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Uh, we see in this moment, this younger son, he, the Bible says he came to his senses and he decided to go back to his father. Uh, before we sort of unpack this a little bit, I wanna show a clip from the movie Scrooge, or rather, A Christmas Carol. And uh, this is towards the end of the movie. In fact, both, are, both the clips today are, are towards the end of the movie. Uh, if you're familiar with the, the story, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge is visited at night by three ghosts. Uh, we don't believe in ghosts here at Catalyst. We believe in the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Uh, but uh, three ghosts of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. And this is at during the time where he's having a conversation with the ghost of Christmas future. And Scrooge is really coming to this realization of, of, of all of the consequences of his life, his decisions. And he comes to this moment where he decides to make a change. Why don't you go ahead, turn your attention to the screens. If you're watching online, sorry, you can't watch this part. Uh, and I'll come back in just a moment. Kind of an intense scene for nine o'clock in the morning, isn't it? Come on, somebody. But he comes to this realization of he's seen how his decisions to, to be selfish, to be greedy, um, has led to uh, really a life he did not want, uh, a life of disappointment, a life of regret. 
and he is, he is crying out to the ghost of Christmas future. Please give me a second chance. I'm going to make things right. I'm going to make a change. Come on, you ever had that prayer before? Come on, God, if you give me another chance, I'm going to make a change. And it really also, to go back to the passage, reminds me of when the younger son, the Bible says, he came to his senses. Which gives me point number one today. I think if we want to experience that joy, we want to walk in the abundant life that Jesus has for us. We have to decide today to make a change. Decide today to make a change. Here's the reality. Maybe for you as you, I know this time of year, I love to reflect upon my year. Uh, I'm a big sort of reflection review. I do a big kind of year in review process personally at the end of the year. And, um, and, and maybe even whether you do that formally or just even as you think through the year, probably all of us have some things from this year that as we think into 2023 uh, that we hope to be different. Uh, that we hope to some changes that we want to make. As we come to the new year, we know it's going to be New Year's resolution time. Uh, that we want to see some changes in our life. In fact, this idea of making changes in our life, uh, Jesus spoke of a lot. Uh, in Matthew 3, he actually says this, and he said this often. He says, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This idea of repentance is this idea of making a change. And repentance is not something we do one time when we come to Christ. That actually, as a, as a follower of Jesus, we are called to live a lifestyle of repentance. In the, old, in the Old Testament, the word repentance in the Hebrew actually referred to going on a, on a new journey or following a new path. In the New Testament, it's a word metanoia, which means change of mind. And not merely changing your thoughts, but literally having a radical reorientation of your life, saying, I'm no longer going to follow the way that I was going before. I'm now going to follow the ways of Jesus. I'm now going to reorient my life. Uh, you know, I was reminded of reorientation and, and going along a better path. Uh, on my GPS. I'm a fan of the Waze app. Any Waze app fans in the room? Come on. Uh, I love Waze app. You know this because it lets you know where the police are hiding. Uh, not that I ever speed nor break the law because I'm a good Christian, but it's just good to know, right? It's good to know where Montgomery County hides those cameras. Come on, somebody. Uh, I passed one this morning and Waze reminded me. I said, thank you so much, Waze. Uh, but what I love about Waze is that when I'm driving, as many of you be traveling this holiday season, when I'm traveling on the road, if there's a better route to take, it'll like pop up in the middle of my route and say, you can take this route and save five minutes. Or this route, there's no tolls. Or this route, there's less traffic. And it shows me a better path. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is your holy GPS. The Holy Spirit, what it does when it convicts you of sin, so when you have those moments when you use a harsh tone with a coworker or your children and you feel this conviction in your spirit, it's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, there's actually a better way to live. It's when you're watching that media that stirs up maybe those lustful thoughts or greed in your heart and you feel that conviction, it's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, there's a better way way to live. When you feel convicted to be more generous, to be more kind, that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, there's a better way to live. Can I encourage you this holiday season? 
mind those checks from the Holy Spirit because he wants you to walk in the way of life. He wants you to walk in the way of joy, of blessing in the ways of Christ. In fact, maybe even tomorrow morning, this week, take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, is there any sin in my heart? Is there any sin in my life? Can I tell you, if you have breath in your lungs, let me help you. There probably is. Come on, somebody. Uh, unless you are Jesus Christ, which I don't think anybody in this room is other than him, you have some sin in your life. You have some areas of your life that you're not living fully in what God has for you. And maybe even under the sound of my voice, there are some things coming to mind. Maybe that prideful moment you had at work. Maybe some greed in your heart. Maybe some lust that ran its course this week. Can I encourage you? In Christ, there is no condemnation. Aren't you grateful? But listen, the Holy Spirit convicts us to show us there's a better way to live. Paul said this to young Timothy, pursue righteousness. So part of repentance is, is, is a change. It's a reorientation. It's going a new path. I love what Paul says to young Timothy, pursue righteousness. That word pursue literally means to hunt. It means to go after something. Now, I personally am not a, not a hunter of animals, but when I thought about hunting, because I have three kids, I immediately thought of Easter egg hunts, okay? Uh, and I was remembering back when my oldest daughter was young, uh, and she would, love, she would love to hunt Easter eggs. Like, I remember when she was like three, four years old, she would want us just to hide eggs in the house by herself so she could hide them or find them. And she was like, when she would hunt after eggs, she would be so like, like intense about it, like to find those eggs, go after those eggs. Paul's saying this, I want you with a passion, with an intentionality, with a fervency, I want you to go after the ways of righteousness. I want you to go after the ways of Jesus. Now this time of year, we're making lots of plans, aren't we? Plans for what gifts to purchase, plans for what holiday parties to go to, uh, plans for holiday travel, we're making plans for the next year, right? We make plans for our health, our career, our relationships, we should do that. But can I, can I actually write this down? Here's a plan I want you to make. Make a plan of how you're gonna pursue righteousness in 2023. How are you going to pursue the ways of Jesus? Maybe for some of you, you're going to make a plan saying, hey, I'm, I'm going I'm to read the scripture more consistently than I, than I have this past year. You're going to make a plan. I'm going to make a plan to be more generous. Can I help somebody out? You probably will not. I probably will not naturally drift into righteousness. Uh, we, we often naturally drift into unrighteousness. We often naturally will drift away. And in the same way, listen, you wouldn't just naturally drift in your career. Man, don't naturally drift when it comes to following Christ. Make a plan to that, that area of sin in your life. Make a plan to get freedom. Get some accountability. Join a community group. Open up to somebody else. Make a plan to, to be more generous. Make a plan to get involved in your church. Go to Next Steps today. Man, the best thing you can do is don't just wait till January 1, but make a plan today. I mean, take a step today. Make a plan to pursue healthy, God-first relationships. Make a plan to deal with that anger that often causes you to be harsh with other people. But make a plan to pursue righteousness. I love what Hebrews 12, 1 says. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So it says a sin that easily entangles us, but then it also says everything that hinders us. Here's what that means. There are some things in our life that may not be sin, sinful, 
but it does not mean that they're also helpful. Just because it's not sinful doesn't always mean it's helpful for you walking according to the purpose of God in your life. And there are some things in your life that maybe even ask God, God, is there any things in my life? Maybe it's not sin, but it's not helping me walk according to your purpose. I remember some years ago, the Holy Spirit had sort of convicted me. Again, it wasn't sin, but it, but it was an area of my life he wanted me to, to focus on, to walk more in my purpose. It was about my, my relationship with my children. Uh, we have for years as a family done a family movie night on Friday nights. Our, our kids look forward to it every Friday night. It's our favorite night of the week. But uh, there was two other nights we sort of, I felt like God leading us. We need to be more intentional to invest in our relationship with our kids. Uh, I mentioned before, I'm kind of a task oriented person. I'm sort of like, I got a task list for my task list. Uh, anybody else with me? Come on. If I accomplish a task and it's not on my task list, I put it on my task list just to check it off because I feel better about myself. Anybody else? You have the same sickness? Come on. Uh, we should have a community group for each other where we make task lists and check things off and we feel better about ourselves and we encourage each other. Um, but the Lord like spoke to me and I and in conversation with Christina and we added a Monday night game night and a Wednesday night, that's my, my son's favorite, Nintendo night. And those intentional rhythms have been so good for our family. Not that we're perfect at it, but the Lord was highlighting, be more intentional. What is that for you? Is there some things in your life where you're like, you know what, this isn't sinful, but it's not helpful. Maybe for you, your tendency to binge watch Netflix in the evening, which then interrupts your sleep, which then interrupts you getting up early enough to have a devotional. Maybe it's some relationships in your life. There are some relationships, they're not helping you fulfill God's purpose for your life. They're not, they're not pushing you forward the things of God. Again, not that it's sinful, but it might not be helpful. Maybe there's some habits in your life, just some habits, some things in 2022 that you need to, to use the words of the Bible, throw off so you can run the race that God has for you. Which brings me to point number two. So decide today to make a change. We all have some area of our life that we can grow in Christ, that we can take a next step. Here's th the second point is to experience that joy to walk in the abundant life is we have to release bitterness and embrace gratitude. Ebenezer Scrooge was a bitter man. If you've seen the movie, would you agree? He was bitter and for understandable reasons. Not saying that that justifies it, but it was understandable as you see his life. In fact, there was a, a person in this passage of the prodigal son who was bitter, the older brother. The older brother, it says this in verse 28. The younger brother, to give context, he came home and he came back to his father. The father welcomed him. And the older brother was a little bit bitter, angry. Here's the Bible says. The older brother became angry. He refused to go in to celebrate his younger brother. So his son, father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you gave, never gave me even a young goat. When you ever have a kid complain like that? Dad, you never even gave me a young goat. <laughs> so I could celebrate with my friends. But when his son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill a fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. So the father reminds him in this moment, everything I have is yours. 
Now, the, the older son would have also known Jewish law. This is important to note. Per Jewish law, the oldest child received two-thirds of the inheritance. So regardless of how many kids you have, whether you had one more child or five more children, they had to split up the one-third that was left. So the older brother not only had just as much as what the younger brother had, but all the more. Are you following me? But here he is looking at a celebration for the younger son. And he's disappointed. He's frustrated. Why haven't I got that kind of celebration? And listen, the older brother's disappointment distracted him from seeing how good the father had actually been to him. And if we're not careful, a disappointment in one area of our life, listen, can I tell you, it is a scheme of the enemy to, to cause you to focus on your disappointment at work that you miss the blessings of God at home. That you're disappointed in your relationships and you, you are distracted by those disappointments and you don't see all the way God's blessed you at work. He wants to distract you from seeing the goodness of God in your life. And the Bible says God is good and what he does is good. So listen, I don't care what kind of year you have. Here's what I do know because the Bible is true. You have had some good in your life this year. I don't say that to be insensitive. I say it to be truthful. I'm not saying you haven't had hardships. I'm not saying you haven't had difficulties. But I'm saying don't allow disappointment to distract you from seeing God's goodness. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Be thankful, watch this, in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. Everyone say for me. Now, Paul was beaten. Paul was left for dead. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was rejected by his own people. And here's Paul saying that even in the midst of being beaten, even in the midst of being rejected, I can be thankful in all circumstances. Can I tell you, you can be thankful in all circumstances. You don't have to be thankful for all things, but you are called to be thankful in all things. Can I tell you, listen, do you know how to cure a funky attitude? It's gratitude. Listen, if you, got, if you have an attitude problem, it probably means you're, you're lacking some gratitude. When's the last time you just thank God for something? Like thank him for something. Like thank him for something specific. I remember about a month ago, I was at a pastor's gathering with one of our overseers, Mark Patterson. And he, uh, he said something at this gathering that has since... I don't mean to overstate it, but it has been life-changing for me personally. He said that he starts every day and he keeps a gratitude journal. Now, here was the change for me. He says, every day I write something specific and different that I'm grateful for. So I'll be honest. When I used to do gratitude, I used to be like, oh, thank you, God, for life. Thank you, God, for my kids. Amen. You know, not that it's a bad thing. But he shared an example that we were actually in Chicago on the Navy Pier, and he shared how so many years earlier, it was on that pier, he proposed to his wife, Laura. And he said, my gratitude today was that, that I'm grateful she said yes all those years ago. So it prompted me. And since that day, it was late October, every day I start my prayer time, I express my gratitude for God for something specific in my life. Can I tell you this morning what my, my gratitude was? Is I thanked God for our production team who gets here at 6.30 in the morning to set up for church, 
so we can stream online wherever you're watching from and we can have church here today. Church, we show our gratitude for our production team this morning. Here's what I found. Can I be honest with you? There are some mornings I wake up with a funky attitude. I'll be honest. My wife knows. Can I tell you, listen, listen. It has done something to me that before I ask God for anything, I thank him for what he's done. Can I tell you, church, it will do something to your spirit if you thank God for what he's done before you ask him to do anything else. Man, if you're like me, sometimes your prayer moments can look like very needy. God, do this. God, do this. God, do this. But when you start and you say, God, thank you. Thank you. Man, I want to challenge you. Just do one every day from now to Christmas. See how it changes you. Thank him for something specific. It will change you. And listen, the research shows this. They're in UC Berkeley. I love this. They did a study where they had students who received uh, counseling at their, at their counseling center. They had three groups of students. One group of students, they had them write a, a gratitude letter every week. One group, they had them journal about their feelings. And then one group just received counseling. Do you know the group that had the significant difference in their mental health at the end of their study? The group that wrote a gratitude letter. Can I tell you, you will be happier if you'd spend time each day expressing your gratitude. Not only this, USC in 2019, they found gratitude is associated with less depression, better well-being, and better sleep. We were created to be grateful. You know, but the reality is this. Gratitude is important. And also not allowing disappointments to distract you from what God's doing in your life. But there are sometimes hard things happen. Difficult things happen, right? That are just hard in life. We lose loved ones. A relationship we thought would, would last forever ends abruptly. We get overlooked for a promotion at work. We didn't get into the school we were dreaming about. We were hoping to be pregnant this time this year, but we're still waiting. There are moments where we have real disappointments. And here's my, my encouragement to you, is to appropriately deal with your disappointments. So those disappointments do not end up creating a root of bitterness in your life. Hebrews 12, 15 says this, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. In the Hebrew culture, in the Old Testament, bitterness was viewed as being evil. It was a tool of the demonic. It was viewed as satanic. It was because it caused, as the Bible says, it defiles many. It was called a poison in the, in the Old Testament. Have you ever experienced this before? Have you ever talked to somebody who's bitter? And that bitterness just spreads over their life. Have you ever seen that happen before? Where like they were bitter over something that happened at work, but all of a sudden it's affecting at home. They were bitter over something that happened years ago, and they're still bitter about it years down the road. The Bible says it defiles many. Can I tell you the root of bitterness will destroy the fruit of the spirit in your life. The root, the, the root of bitterness will rob you of your joy. Have you ever seen someone, maybe you've been there. I, I, I've been bitter before, so I, I can experience this. Where your bitterness 
actually disables you from experiencing joy about things you should be joyful about? Or it actually robs you of your peace. Like you should have peace, but you don't have it because you're bitter over something that happened. That's why the Bible cautions us. Do not allow the root of bitterness to take root because it produces really nasty and destructive fruit in our lives. It'll impair your relationships. Have you ever tried to have a relationship with someone who's bitter? It's very difficult, right? Because they're bitter over something else, but it's impairing their relationships. Here's how destructive bitterness will be. Bitterness over something that happened years ago can be, can be reaping destruction all over someone's life 20 years later. Like it, it, it destroys, it destructs, and it is a root of the enemy. He wants us to live bitter. And be careful, listen, if you spend time with bitter people, because the Bible says it defiles many. Have you ever met a group of people that the entire group was bitter? A family that had bitterness? Like they were bitter over something that didn't happen to them, but because their brother or their mother or their cousin was bitter, they're bitter too. Why? Because the Bible says it defiles many. It spreads. You have to guard your heart against bitterness. So here's what we do with it. I love Psalm 55, 22. One of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament. It says, give your burdens to the Lord. You could say give your bitterness to the Lord and he will take care of you. That, that phrase, he will take care of you, the word picture is a shepherd tending to and nurturing their sheep. That, that he is our good shepherd. And that when we give our burdens to him, when we give our disappointments to him, we give our frustrations to him, the Bible says he tends to you. The Bible says this, he binds up the brokenhearted. He heals our wounds. Can I tell you, let me just ask this question. When is the last time you had a dialogue with God about your disappointments? That you talked to him about it. Man, God, I'm, I'm disappointed because I thought I would be this place in my workplace and I'm not. God, I'm disappointed because I thought this year I'd be married and I'm not. God, I'm disappointed because I lost my, my mom this year. I lost my, my grandfather this year. Man, express your disappointments to God and allow the good shepherd to nurture your soul, to heal your soul. Can I encourage you, church? He wants to hear from you. Listen, if we're not careful again, our prayer life can look like us just giving requests to God. Maybe for you, your prayer life needs to be allow him to heal your soul. To say, God, God, here's what's been going on. God, here's what's been hard. Give your burdens to him and he will care for your soul. Before I dive into point three, I'm gonna show our last clip. And I love this clip. It's my favorite part of the whole movie because it shows a, a Scrooge who's been changed. He wakes up, so, so to give context, he, as he sleeps the night, the three ghosts of Christmas past, present and future visit him. He wakes up and he realizes, I have a new lease on life. Like I'm, I'm, I'm here. And he wakes up full of joy, full of excitement. He's telling people Merry Christmas. And, uh, and we see the effect of change. He decided to make a change. You can see in his face and his expression, he let go of his bitterness. 
and now he has a new lease on life. Let's go ahead and watch this next clip. A different Scrooge. He, uh, that conversation he has was a man who the day prior had asked him for a donation to a nonprofit. And he basically turned him away and said, I'm not helping anybody. So he there makes up and he gives him a generous gift in response and a quite a different posture in Ebenezer Scrooge. That he wakes up with this kind of new lease on life, new perspective, and he realizes, uh, of course, he didn't see the entire end of the movie, but he, he buys a, a big turkey for his employee, Bob Cratchit. He ends up uh, reuniting with some family. He had pushed aside. He gives this large donation. He's, he's singing. He's wishing people Merry Christmas. All of this that's happening here is clearly a changed man. And what he realized, you know, I think of the scripture where Jesus said that if you want to find true life, that word life is the word of Zoe, it's abundant life. He says, lose your life in service to Christ in service to people, that we were actually made in the image of God. And do you know, we actually find most fulfillment when we live a life in service to other people. That we, this is what the Bible says in Mark 10, 45, that even the son of man, Jesus came to serve and not to be served. And that's what we are called to do church, which brings you to point number three, is that we are to act with kindness and compassion. You know, in the prodigal son story, Luke 11, verse 20, I focus on the younger son, the older son, now the father. It says this in verse 20, that when the father saw the younger son coming forward, he saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. That word compassion in the Greek is the word splontnizomai. It refers to not this sort of soft emotion, but being moved to action. That Jesus often had compassion. What is it Jesus had compassion on people is he was deeply moved to care for people, care for, serve people, be kind to other individuals. I love what Paul said in Colossians 3.12. He says that you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That word to clothe yourself, one translation says to put on. You know what that implies? If you have to put something on, it means you're not naturally wearing it. Come on, somebody. It means you're not naturally patient. Anybody else with me that can get an amen? You're not naturally merciful. You're not naturally kind. You're not naturally compassionate. But we put on compassion. We put on kindness. How do we put on kindness? Is by spending time in God's presence. That we can't give what we have not received. And the scripture says, Romans 2, 4, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not his harshness. It's not his condemnation. It's his kindness that changes us. John said this, we love because he first loved us. That our capacity to love people, it's because he loved us. So can I encourage you? The best thing we can do to become more kind and compassionate and loving, which we're supposed to, is to spend more time with the one who is love. 
with the one who is kind, with the one who shows compassion and mercy for us, whose mercies are new every single morning. I want to encourage you this time of year when it's incredibly busy, I know lots of things happening, your schedule's packed, you're wrapping up work for the year, you have parties to go to, gifts to purchase, travel to arrange. Can I encourage you above all else is protect your time in God's presence. Man, make sure each morning I'm going to spend some time in the presence of God. I'm going to spend some time in his scripture, spend some time in prayer. Because can I tell you this year, this year is, a, is, a, is this, this season is a season full of joy for a lot of people. But it's also a difficult season for a lot of people. It's a difficult season for many reasons. For those who are grieving the loss of a loved one that maybe they lost this year. I know the holidays can conjure up grief in people as we look around the table and we see there are people who are no longer with us. Uh, because of the, the, the getting darker earlier, the winter weather, various factors, kind of seasonal depression. Of course, there are certain industries that's very stressful right now. Can I tell you, this is the time of year to be extra kind to our retail friends and family. Can I get amen? To, to your barista, to the waitress, waiter, to those who are serving people during this year uh, because they are extra busier. To our first responders, they're working extra hours this time of year. And can I tell you, we as the people of God, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And can I tell you what will lead people to seeing the graciousness of our God? It's not our harshness. It's not even our us being right. Can I, can I even say this? Listen, it's important that we stand upon truth. I want to be clear on that. But can I tell you that Jesus was full of truth and grace. Can I tell you what our world needs right now? Is the grace of God. It's the kindness of Christ. It's the compassion of our Lord. It's the mercy of our Savior. Can I tell you, as followers of Christ, we are called to be marked by kindness, grace, mercy, love. Jesus in John 13 says, this is how they're going to know you're my disciples. By how well you love one another. Paul said in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to each other. Proverbs eleven seventeen. my final scripture, says those who are kind benefit themselves. Can I tell you, you were actually created to be kind. You were created to be generous. The Journal of Social Psychology in 2020 found that generosity boosts happiness and well-being. The Journal of Health Psychology in 2015 did a study where they actually found that doing acts of kindness, they studied people with hypertension, that it actually lowers your blood pressure. Why? Because we were created to be kind. We were created to be generous. We were created to think of other people first. We see a transformation in Ebenezer Scrooge when he realizes, man, I am here to bless other people. Can I encourage you to do some acts of kindness? He's leading up to Christmas. It can be simple. Each day, man, compliment someone at work. A specific compliment. Hold the door open for somebody else. Yeah, pay for someone's coffee behind you. Especially if it's me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Take a coworker out to lunch. Hey, at home, maybe 
There's a certain chore that's not your chore to do. Do it this week. Cook dinner for your spouse. Do the laundry in your house. Do, do some acts of kindness. Why? Because it does something for you. It changes you and it changes other people. So we can have a very Merry Christmas. We can experience the joy of the Lord. We can experience the abundant life that Christ had for us. Can you bow your heads with me, church?